Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. So today I want to talk about what is attunement. We hear this a lot right now. It's kind of like one of those buzzwords going around in psychology. And I just thought that I would take some time to discuss it because it's something that I do in my practice and it's something that I do because I have kids and I have a spouse and I have people in my life. And so when we're talking about attunement, if we can understand what it is, then we can understand whether or not we're doing it, number one, what um, being aware is versus attunement, and doing a attuning type of behavior for safety. So there's a couple things with this. So I want to give you um, the dictionary's definition for attune. Attune is to be receptive or aware. Attunement, however, described by Dr. Dan Siegel, is when we attune with others, we allow our internal state to shift to come to resonate with the inner world of another. So this is like we're in sync. I'm I'm getting you. I'm seeing you. I'm, you know, going to respond to you based on the place that you're at. And we do this a lot with our kids when we're healthy. When we're not healthy, we can't attune. We just don't even know what's happening inside of our child. And attunement is is what we know based on being aware of what's happening inside of somebody else. And we know what's happening inside of somebody else based on body language, tone, maybe things that they say. And when we notice that somebody is needing that and we are healthy within ourselves, we notice it, then we respond accordingly. So let me give you an example. I have a couple examples actually I want to give you. So think about this. So my son, he will come in and he'll say, play with me, play with me. And it's usually at a time that I'm busy or maybe my husband's busy or something like that. And we're not able to always stop and just play. However, if I notice him and what is happening inside of him when he's asking this, is he needing this type of interaction right now? Is he feeling depleted? Does he need connection? Um, or is he just wanting to play because he's bored or he got a new toy or whatever? So so noticing, number one, is the first thing. How is he responding to my response to him? And there's times where I can say, you know what, buddy? I'll play with you right now because I'm noticing that you're really needing connection. You're really needing time with another person to have attention and that play time. 
And then there's other times where I can't do that because we've got to go. And he becomes angry. And if I can attune to him and, and validate his experience, yes, buddy, like, of course, of course you're mad about that. Yes, you want this right now. You want me to play. You want me to do that with you. Of course you would be mad. And I can't always fix that. There are just times where I cannot, I don't even want to say fix. I cannot give him what he's wanting. Nor should I, right? But if I can acknowledge his emotional experience, then he will feel less alone. He will feel understood. He will feel seen. So attunement is really about the other person. The difference between attunement, where we're wanting to connect with the other person um, because we want them to feel seen and heard, we want them to have an experience of empathy versus I'm noticing your emotional state and your body language because I'm afraid that something's going to happen to me with your anger or your sadness or whatever. There's a big difference between attuning for the sake of leaning in and having empathy for someone else and caring for that person and their needs versus attuning because you're, um, afraid for yourself and what's going to happen in relationship if you and this other person are disconnected. Okay. Sometimes if you think about it from the perspective of, you know, if your kid is doing something that they shouldn't be doing and they're watching you to see, you know, what your reaction is, do you like, do we know what's happening? It is a seeking safety mechanism and it's there's a level of hypervigilance to it when this is happening because you know they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. And I've noticed this in many adults. I've noticed this so much in adults where they become so hypervigilant on reading the room to know if it's safe or not that they're missing relationship in the process. Like they're not even having relationship with anybody. In fact, I think their whole experience is extreme distress while they're in the room. So let's say if you are struggling with some internal stuff in this way, okay, you struggle with people pleasing. And you go into a room and you're well aware of the insecurity that you're feeling in a sense, like you, you know, you're not feeling secure in your body. You may not know exactly why you don't feel secure in your body. And you may be quite out of touch with that factor, but, but the way that you learn to cope with that in childhood was to people please to mask that insecurity. And then with that people pleasing, how you knew whether or not people were pleased with you was by reading the person in front of you that you were needing to please. 
And it becomes this exhaustive experience for the person who is doing this. They're, they're needing to be able to just be as a human and really to be attuned to. I mean, somebody that is in that people-pleasing state, they, they weren't attuned to. They had to learn to seek safety in this way because they weren't attuned to. And it's really sad, like if you think about it, like an adult who has no awareness of what another person is feeling or experiencing, they have no awareness of what their child is experiencing, is a telltale sign that they did not get attuned to themselves as a child. You know, not being noticed for your emotional experiences as a child causes the child to have to do something in order to survive and cope with the fact that they were not seen or heard or noticed or even moved in towards when they were having emotional distress. And so how you cope with that determines how you will be in your life. And you just carry on, like I've been seeing for the last several weeks, you just carry on this lack of attunement to the next generation. And it it feels like it's normal. It feels like, well, this is how my family was. This is how their family was. Like nobody really cared about anybody's emotions. We all just kind of said, get over it and move on. Man, it causes so much anger in me because it's so dysfunctional. I mean, think about this as a mother, okay? If my baby cried and I just ignored her, I tuned her out because I, you know, told myself that she doesn't need me or I said she just needs to learn to deal with it on her own, okay? My my baby, this new person that has come into the world and I treat them as if they should be able to do it on their own in life from the get-go. They will learn early on to stop crying or to stop reaching and figure out how to get their needs met themselves. So that's what happens when you've got people who go into people pleasing or addiction or different coping mechanisms because they had to learn to figure it out themselves because nobody was seeing them in the place of distress repeatedly. How devastating when you think about it from that perspective. You know, my daughter and I were having a conversation like about, I want to say about a year ago, and we were talking about foster kids. And if you are a foster kid, there is no shame in that. And I just want to preface it with this. Like you, you are loved and you are seen. And that's why we ended up having this conversation. But we noticed that a lot of kids who spend a lot of time in foster care, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about where they you know, dipped into it for a minute and came out. But I'm talking about kids that were regularly being switched around to different families. And 
and we noticed a couple different things about them. We noticed that number one, foster kids did not have much awareness. They didn't have much perception of how people were perceiving them, i.e. attunement even. Um, they tend to be overbearing and um, in your face and not noticing the body language that we would put off. Like we had a couple foster kids in our lives and they were just very overbearing and very like either touchy or like just the, the need was so, it, it seemed like the need for them to have um, attunement and to be noticed and seen was so great. It was like a bottomless pit. Like there was no, like I normally say, like there was no bottom on the bucket that they couldn't even recognize the fact that we were needing a little bit of space because it was becoming unhealthy or it was just like there, the, the dynamic felt unsafe in a sense, because you've got somebody who's like pushing on you so much because they're so desperate for, um, you know, love and attention and, and whatever else that's deeply in there that's so alone inside of them that, that they couldn't see or notice what was happening inside of us. And so we were just talking about this and, and feeling really sad about the fact that they, you know, this, this was a result in their life that they weren't able to get attunement from somebody else because of their circumstances. And then they in turn become a non-attuned person as well towards other people. And, and it's, it's really interesting because when you think about attunement, attunement and empathy kind of, they go hand in hand because in order to have attunement, you have to be also aware um, or also have empathy. Like I can't notice somebody's body language of sadness and grief and dismiss it and have empathy. You just can't. You have to be able to have both. Now, sometimes it is a choice. There are times where, you know, you could be busy. Like I was mentioning with my son, you could be busy and you could be in a place where you're like, oh my gosh, like I don't really have time for this right now. Or maybe I'm being triggered by my own stuff in the moment and I can't really attune. Those things do happen. But if on the norm, you're so out of touch with what's happening inside of somebody else because you didn't get the attunement, then this is a place for growth. And noticing the difference between I'm doing, you know, I'm noticing these other people because I need to know if I'm safe or not, which is subconscious. And sometimes you have to be able to get curious with that to figure that out, whether that's a safety seeking thing or if it's something else. Or being able to say, okay, well, this was not developed in me. You know, if you have a parent who is has been dissociated your entire life, that parent could not attune. The parent isn't home. 
you know, the parent is a, is a spectator, not a participant in life. So when you have a spectator parent, then that's going to translate over into that attunement issue that every human needs. So how do we grow in this area when we haven't received it growing up? Well, I would say, number one, you have to attune to yourself. If you don't even know what's going on inside of yourself, you're going to really struggle to know what's happening in another person. Because if you walk into a room, like I described earlier, and you have no idea that you're feeling 100% insecure and you're going into people-pleasing mode because you don't want anybody to see that secure, insecure part of you. And you're not attuning because you want relationship, but you want to make sure that people don't see the part of you that you don't want anybody to see. And you're not aware of that. This is literally subconscious. I mean, I'm telling you, kids are fascinating. I have several teenage clients, and you would be shocked at the things that they tell me of how they got to the coping mechanism and safety-seeking defenses that they have. It is, I am like, all, all the time, I feel like amazed. And I mean, in a good way, amazed. I'm just like, wow, how did you come up with that? Like, that's, <laughs> honestly, it's incredible. So when they're younger, they often can say how they got there because they're still kind of, it's not so far and disconnected. But when you get older and you just, like these are automatic responses and now you don't know why you've been doing what you've been doing. Or maybe you started them extremely young to where you don't remember why it even happened in the first place. Then you have to start getting curious with yourself. And if you don't get curious with yourself, then the people around you that want to connect with you won't be able to connect with you because you don't notice them when they're in distress. You don't see them when they're needing something. You don't move in when there's pain. And it always has to start with you first. So when you can slow down, attune to yourself, be curious, getting in touch with those body sensations, your body is literally your guide when it comes to the subconscious. I really should do a workshop on this. It's like, I can have a person sit in front of me and if I said to you, how do you feel right now? They'll be like, I don't know. And I'll be like, all right, let's do some deep breathing and get grounded and get in touch with our body. And I want you to tell me any sensation that comes up in your body. Sometimes I'll get eye rolls. People get upset. They don't want to do that because they're not used to that. That feels uncomfortable. It feels like something that is wrong. But let me tell you, every time I do this, they will get in touch with something and it's usually pretty wild. So getting in touch with body sensations is first to start attuning to your own self. What's happening inside my body? What is my body saying right now? That's first. 
And I don't know why we do this as people. If body language within itself, we're talking about micro expressions. Micro expressions are your facial features. What does your face say when you have emotional responses? How does your body move? All of these things. When you have emotion, what are your hands doing? I mean, body language is like 80% of how we communicate. And just a quick little side note. So my daughter started taking horseback riding lessons some several months ago. And let me tell you something. You want to talk about attunement? If I showed you videos of her riding the horse when she first started versus riding now, she has spent months and months and months every week literally learning how to connect and attune with the horse. When the horse is in attunement with her, because the horse itself is looking for guidance. So when the horse is in attunement with her, the horse will round its neck, it will relax, it will soften, it will glide as it's trotting. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I have chills as I'm talking about it because if you would have told me two years ago that this was like a legitimate thing, I would have told you you're crazy because I had no idea that horses were like that. And this is her sitting in the saddle and calming her body. And, you know, she's learned different things in order to keep the horse in that attunement and stable. But the horse will follow her. Like, if she freaks out, the horse is going to freak out. You know, yesterday she was horseback riding and the wind was blowing like crazy. We were going to have this like crazy storm, apparently, which never really transpired, in my opinion, the way that they said it was going to happen. Uh, they called it a bomb cyclone. So I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, that's just a little silly side note. But there were huge gusts of wind that were coming during her session yesterday. And when we got the horse out of the stall, her name is Sadie. Sadie was like so agitated. She was so agitated. And I, and I personally didn't understand it. I mean, I knew the wind and stuff was agitating her, but she's usually very warm to us and she was super agitated. And as we got my daughter on the saddle and, you know, started to do her routine in the arena with her, the horse became extremely calm and was able to relax. And the trainer was explaining to us that as the horse is attuning to the rider and the rider is helping to stabilize the horse, the horse relaxes. And here's the thing, as people, we are wired very similarly. If we do not first learn attunement with ourselves, if we are not in touch with ourselves, we will not be able to attune to what another person is feeling. If we are out of touch with what's happening inside of us, attunement is off. It'll be like, you know, two different instruments playing out of whack, totally different keys, totally out of 
tune. Now, imagine that internally. You're out of tune internally. You don't know what's going on. You don't know why. And then now you're trying to seek safety outside of yourself because in, inside feels so chaotic and unstable. And then you're trying to seek it outside of yourself first. Now, you can get attunement from somebody else. Somebody else can see your distress. And if you allow them in, you can start that healing journey for yourself of attunement, being attuned to. But it's it's not, you know, it's not just, oh, you you just have to do it this way. No, it starts with that internal you know, resonance inside of you, that voice, that, that feeling, the feelings that are happening inside and starting there and then bringing that into relationship in honesty and open-heartedness. It starts by knowing what's going on inside of yourself. I can tell you that all of these years that I've been doing all this work for healing for myself, as I heal the level of empathy and attunement that I have for others is way off the charts. And the capacity that I have is like off the charts because I have done thousands of hours for my own personal healing and growth because I value myself. Now, when we haven't been valued as a kid, we have no idea what any of this stuff means. We don't know how to get our needs met with someone else. We don't know how to share that. We don't know how to be in relationship that way. So first we gotta get our healing and care for ourselves in relationship as always. You can't do it on your own. You weren't wired that way. When we have to do it on our own as kids and we grow up into adults, parts of our brain aren't working properly. It's proven scientifically. Parts of our brain may not even be lighting up. And so we have to do it in relationship. We have to bring the honesty of what is happening inside in relationship first. And then we practice. So we, we learn what it's like to be attuned to, and then we practice attuning to. And notice what sensations come up when we are trying to attune to somebody else. Am I being triggered by how this other person is being right now? How their emotions are showing up? Am I triggered by that? Okay, I'm triggered by that. I need to deal with that. That's something within me. Attunement is a gift for connection. And when we can learn to do that, and have attunement and empathy in relationship, 
it is the most satisfying experience because it pulls each person out of aloneness, which is caused by misunderstanding, misattuning. You know, these things happen. It, it is it is real. We do misattune, even if we have a great level of attunement. But then when we can repair, we can always bring that connection back together. And it's such a beautiful experience. Thanks for listening. If you have found today's podcast helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. If you are interested in coaching with me, go to www.identitylife.coach. And you can also find me on Instagram, identity.life.coach. 